Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Equity of up to 150 million pounds. You're not here to have fun, you're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aestetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. We've got a lot to discuss on today's episode. Uh, three games in all, two for the men, one for the women. And uh, got two of my favorites alongside to do it with. We'll start by throwing it out to Scott. He is at DSM Spurs on the Twitters. Scotty, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Hanging out Sunday. Good win from Spurs twice. One not win from Spurs that we'll talk about, too. Yeah, we're going to get into all of it for sure. Uh, Caroline's with us as well, at CG Stefko on the Twitters. Kaz, what's going on? Hey, uh, it's it's been a whirlwind sports weekend for me. I've been kind of burning the candle at both ends. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to talk about the weekend slash week that was Spurs. <laughs> Well, we're excited that you're you're burning the candle with us as well, and uh, and getting your insight into all of it. Uh, a little bit of admin before we dive in, uh, because the men's team is into an international break, and there's a little bit of a weird scheduling stuff with us here internally on the pod. We are going to record next weekend's pod a little early. We're going to record it midweek this coming week, and we're going to do a mailbag episode. So. If you have some questions, Spurs related, non-Spurs related, want to know what my favorite pizza topping is, I'll just tell you right now, it's pepperoni. That's fine. Uh, I'm very, I'm a very basic bitch in, in terms of that. Um, so I, I knocked that one out for you guys. But if you guys have any questions that you want to get in for a mailbag, we're going to record a mailbag on Wednesday uh, that will go out next weekend. Um, a lot of travel for all of us, a lot of just, just a lot going on here at the depot. So uh Appreciate you all bearing with us with that, but uh, just a heads up, we will be recording next weekend's pod a little bit early, and it will be a mailbag episode, so get your questions in uh, in the coming days for that. Uh, two wins and a loss, as we said, between the men's and women's teams this week. Um, I watched one of these games live. <laughs> Let's start with one that I did not watch live on Tuesday, but went back Friday night and sat through 90 minutes of a 2-0 loss to Sporting Club Portugal in the Champions League. Uh, Spurs go out um, and lose their first game since last season in this one. Um, this was, I don't think, as bad of a performance from Tottenham as many would lead you to believe in terms of watching it and everything. Scott, did you get that impression as well? Because I thought this was like, it was kind of lackluster and flat, but I didn't think it was the disaster that most people on the uh, on the internet would have portrayed it to be. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think, you guys maybe recall I was I was a little bit more concerned with with sporting than I was with with Marseille and I just think tactically they posed 
I don't want to say like a challenge, but a conundrum, right, if you will. And I think um, that's kind of what we saw. I think they do a good job typically of stifling the wing play, which is always going to pose a bit of a challenge for us because we don't have a ball progressor built into our tactical approach. Like Benteker is a ball progressor, but he's not deployed in a way that's going to beat a team through the middle as well as as I'd like us to be able to do, right? And so when the wing play is stifled, it's going to be tough for us. And that's what we saw. I mean, if, if you, if you like strip, strip this game back to like the bare basics of soccer, Kulisevsky, I think Kulisevsky played, right? Oh no, it was Sunder, Charleston and Kane. They all played at some point, right? All four of them. But those four just didn't get enough opportunities to create enough chances to find goals. Right. And, and again, it was because of this, the, the way that they stifled us down the wings. So Sporting was always going to be a challenge. Todd, they're a good team. I don't care what you say about Farmers League and all that bullshit. Like, Sporting's <laughs> a good team, and we saw that. Now, I, I expect us to beat them, right? I'm, I'm not I'm not accepting the loss by any means. We need to win that game, and we should have, but I'm not terribly surprised is my point, right? I, I think that's spot on. I think your, your shout for Bentecourt is right. I thought he was, other than Hugo Lloris, our best player on the pitch during this match. Kind of always is, honestly. Bentecourt. Maybe, maybe. I mean, Bentecourt has had moments where he's he's not looked as sharp, but I think he is kind of that steady, that steady Eddie, if you will, in the, in the middle of the pitch. Um, Caroline, to, to Scott's point about the front four, you know, front three slash four, not getting opportunities. That's, that's kind of what it was for me too. And, and, Sporting were not a team that were sitting back and, and, you know, it's not like this was one of those matches where we needed like that creative midfielder to break them down. They were coming after, which you would think would be the opportunity for Spurs to, to hit them. And honestly, I thought this game was fairly even. And just until the very end, when frankly, Emerson Royal Royal got cooked twice. And that's, that's the difference in the game for me. Did you see it any differently? No, that's exactly how I saw it. I think it was just a lack of, sharpness and you know maybe Spurs underestimating an opponent slightly like we do tend to do when we're away in Europe Um, and you know many people warned us about Conte that he does not always like to put all his eggs in the Champions League basket so you know in the back of my head I'm kind of wondering if he's just not prioritizing the competition which I personally am kind of fine with. Like I'd rather us do well in the league and the domestic cups, but um, yeah, it was just, just kind of a flat performance. And I think it was good to point out Hugo had a great game and it was such a shame that we, you know, conceded those two goals back to back when he had made such a superb save, you know, moments before Um, he's, yeah, he's deserved some clean sheets a lot lately that we've not gotten, but (laughs) that's another topic. Yeah, it was the kind of performance that for me, late on, I'm thinking, all right, a point here is not the end of the world. And frankly, losing that point late is also not the end of the world. I mean, Sporting now lead the group by three. They've won their first two matches. They have six points. Spurs sit on three. Um, and, and like I said, it's so early in the group stage that it's not the end of the world. I think there's also something to be said for this game coming off the back of a postponement at the week, at the prior weekend which was a disruption in the flow of things. And I'm not saying you blame that on, on, on the loss or the flat performance or anything, but it is certainly a change in routine. It was a slightly earlier start than most champions league matches uh, take place. Again, 
all of these things. I'm not, I'm not uh, looking to make excuses whatsoever for a flat performance, but I think all of these things mixed up in a, in a pie kind of do factor into um, just a flat, a flat performance. Um, the Emerson is the part of it all is really, I think what I wanted to talk about and use to kind of transition into the Lester match, because he obviously gets dropped for the first time in the Lester match. And Scotty and I were having this conversation a little bit um, in, in the pre-show like Emerson to me, this is just a, I don't know. It's starting to show. And I can't remember if I made this comparison on pod or not. So forgive me if this is a repeated point, but Emerson to me is starting to show himself as the new Sissoko. Like he's a guy who I think we all like and appreciate and has got the, you know, is, is wearing the badge proudly and is representing himself well. But at the same time, I think we all see that there's just there's just another level that he's not quite going to get to. And if he does occasionally and shows flashes, that's great. But I think on a consistent basis, I think there's a realization that and we've said this a lot. He's a right back. He's not a right wing back. And I think he can be a very good right back in a different system. But I don't think he's quite the right wing back that this club needs. Um and I don't know the Sissoko comparison. I'm still, like I said, it's still kind of a half baked take that I have, but it, it feels apt to me. It feels like this is the new guy that we're all going to kind of like, but also know that it could be better. No, I agree. And I think, I mean, I don't want to skip ahead to the next game, but when you see who the alternatives are to Emerson, the gulf and in, in talent is obvious. Um, but I had also been saying for a while that he had not been given a rest at all this season. And I think maybe the minutes were starting to catch up to him just a little bit too. So I think when he, again, don't want to skip ahead, but, um, when, when he is rested, I think he, he can bring a little bit more. Yeah. Well, and I, Caroline, that's what I said. And Caroline's point actually helps mine not be so much of a pushback, but just like a conversation. Cause I don't like, I disagree with you, Andrew, but I think, I think for I don't first of all I don't think he was dropped at all. I think he was rested and I've been asking on every episode like when is my boy Emerson going to get to rest because that position sucks to play over and over. It's really really rough. Um he 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 puts forth more energy in recovery he and the left wing back than anyone else on the field, right? So I was asking for him to get a rest he did. So I don't really think he was dropped. I also think now I'll preface this by saying Perisic and Sessegnon is very exciting, and I'll continue to like to see that. But when Emerson came on, we looked steady, and I think it's important to point out, Sun doesn't get a hat trick without Emerson because Emerson solidified the right side of the field and allowed us to progress the ball and get and feed Sun. Right? I don't think if I don't think with Perisic on the field, Sun gets those opportunities, and I, I don't think we see that performance. So there's a, there's balance and there's nuance to all of this, like. It can't always be perfect, and Emerson's gonna gonna play a vital role in this team for sure. Because defensively, Perisic was getting roasted, and I'm not picking on Perisic. I talked about this before we hopped on. I don't know who that guy on the left wing was for them. I can't remember his name, but he was eating Perisic alive, and that's why Conte flipped Perisic and Sessignon until Emerson came on because Sessignon defensively, in my opinion, was going to be able to handle that situation better. I think. When, when we talked about this too, Andrew, but when Conte, and you pointed this out, but I didn't want to talk about this, like when Conte flipped Paris and Sessignon, 
one of two things went in my mind yesterday. I'm like, okay, either he sees what I'm seeing, which is Paris is just getting cooked by this dude, or he sees a chance to invert because Sessegnon had inverted twice. And I was like, oh, maybe he sees an in- inversion happening. But then when Sess or a chance to invert happening, but then when he brought Emerson on, Sess went back to the left and Emerson on the right, which tells me he was not trying to invert anything. He just, again, Perisic couldn't handle that defensive responsibilities for whatever reason. So if I think my point is if Emerson doesn't come on, I think that game doesn't end up being 6-2, and it probably is a lot more of a nail-biter than we would like because at 3-2 it was like kind of dicey, right? Um and so this is all me pushing back and saying, like, let's not look past what Emerson provides because defensively he's really our only wing back that is defensively sound enough at times. And when we play Liverpool and when we play Chelsea and when we play City, like, I want Emerson on the field. I do not want Paris and Session Young because we will get eaten. I, I think your point's well taken, but I think the reason he's so defensively sound is because he's a right back, not a right wing back. And – when I for see sure. moments, and, and and you've kind of taken us into the lesser discussion, but I want to go back to the sporting discussion for a second because if you look at those two goals, those are the moments where, yeah, he's defensively sound, but also if he's going to play like that it, it, in a late moment, in a, in a, in a, in a goalless game, in, in the final moments, that's not good because yeah, he, got, well, I, he got beaten on the header. And then the second goal, I, I have watched it too many times because it is – I mean, he gets nutmegged in the box by the guy, and and it's just like, what the hell are you doing? I mean, it was it was really really bad defensively from him. Yeah, and I think you're exactly right. I think it's worth pointing out that against Sporting, you're going to have a tougher time handling progressing the ball down the wing, and Emerson is not good at progressing the ball in any way, shape, or form. Right. So, like, again, I'm not surprised that he had a really rough one against Sporting. I also like the decision because Lester is so bad that that's when I'm going to let Perisic and Sessegnon explore and, and, and experiment with, with a more attacking-minded duo, right? So I, th- I don't think Conte got it right. I think Sporting, honestly, just, I guess, was a perfect storm for, for us to not do well and for Emerson to look like shit, right? And we got to, we just, you know, move on and it is what it is. And I don't mean move on in our discussion, but I think, you know, a, a, as a season, as the no, season progresses. I, so. I mean, I think that's fair. I think we can fully move on. And Caroline, unless you had anything else on the sporting match to talk about, uh, as she nods her head, no, <laughs> no, no, there's not. I mean, we can fully move on to the Leicester discussion. I think um, it, I, I did like, I, I think going into this match, we all thought, oh, this could be a really interesting lineup. And I think it was an interesting lineup in the sense that we got some rotation. Uh, we got, we got Clement Longley in at the left center back spot. We got, Sanchez into the right center back spot, which we're going to come on to here in a second. Um, and then you've already talked about the wing back situation where you get Sessing on the left and Perisic on the right, um, along with Kulisewski back in and, and Sun being I, rotated, dropped. I mean, you so semantics, like whatever you want to call it. Um, I think both Emerson and Sun were, were dropped slash rotate i think it's easier to say the center backs were rotated while the front players were dropped but I, this is all semantics and it's all you know words whatever we want to say but um caroline what was your takeaway from let's start with the the, the wingback situation because i early in the season thought sesnyan on the left and paris on the right could be really fun and i think for the most part it was although i'm also going to 
pick on both of these players a little bit for their performances. It, it was fun. I do think it, we looked a lot more threatening going forward. Um, but as Scott noted, defensively, Perisic is maybe not as strong. Um, but the fact is, when it comes to comparing him to Royale, his you know actual goal contribution output is just already, I mean, you can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. So, because I think this was what, his third assist of the season, maybe? Uh, I can double check that for you. I um, think it was his second officially, but I could be wrong on that. But yeah, and I mean, he's and he's not even been with the club that long. So for him to already be meshing so well with the the forward line is is very promising to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I was wanting to see this wing back pairing, not just because Royale needed the rest, which I think we can all agree. Um, but I think the with the center backs. Longley, I thought, had a very good game. Um, you know, just an, not ne- necessarily an exceptional game, but very solid, did what he needed to do. Um, and Sanchez, I felt a little bad for because he had one of his just, you know, brain yeah. outside of head moments. <laughs> There's it no was... other way to put it where you're just like, seriously, man, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and that was that was really unfortunate. And I got so excited when Larice saved the penalty, only to have to have it retaken because he was off the line. Such a bummer. <laughs> By the way, you were right on Paris. It's third in the Premier League and fourth overall assist uh, in all competitions. So good, good on him. Um, I, I don't know where to go from here. Let let's let's talk about the the the, the Sanchez of it all because yeah, it was a boneheaded decision to go to ground in that spot. I thought Sanchez played okay. Otherwise he was obviously subbed off for Romero about 60 minutes in again. This was a rotation thing to me. This was not, obviously it was not Romero being dropped. It was not, I don't even think on the other side, it was Davis being dropped Longley, I think is proving to be like the perfect rotational person with Davis. I think both of those guys are similar. I don't think one is head and shoulders above the other. Like we have on the other side with Romero and Sanchez, but Sanchez, there's clearly a drop off there and it's not only defensively, I think there's a slight drop off, but it's in how we are able to progress the ball uh, with from, from the back. I, I just, I'm going to accept that when Sanchez plays, it's going to look a little different and it's going to be a little worse and we have to kind of make up for it uh, in, in the other places on the pitch. Scott, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I do. I think I, on the left side, well, for if we go through the center backs, we can say this. Dyer's always on the field. I think on the left-hand side, I do agree with you with Longley, and I'm going to get your, to your question, but I think the one thing I noticed with Longley is I'll start by saying I do prefer him to Davies, and I've said that Davies is the best defender in the universe, right? And I guess that means that Longley is just – now the best defender in the universe, but I really I think that Longley, the best way I can explain it is Davies. Davies makes some incredible plays. He's exciting. These last ditch tackles he makes are incredible. Longley doesn't really have to make those because he's like always in position. He's just so sound and so just precise with everything that he's doing that he just kind of goes quiet 
and under the radar because he again he's always in position right and i'll take somebody who's always in position over somebody who's exciting all day long um on the right side we have issues there right i like i love sanchez and i'll continue to speak highly of him i think he's a great center back i think next to somebody like dyer i think he can be very effective he cannot ever be asked to make the first decision. I've talked about that, right? He's just horrible at it. But when he plays second fiddle, he does okay. But he just makes these boneheaded rash plays now and again. And he's done it for four seasons now that we got to cut out. And I do think positionally he's not as sound, right? Now, Romero, I actually think is not that sound positionally either, right? So I'm not going to put Romero on this like crazy pedestal there. But um I'll, I'll push and, and, back on you a little bit there on Romero because I think what we get with Romero is we also get some of the boneheaded plays. We see him go in for tackles at times too. Where you're like, what the hell are you doing? But I think Romero is more sound positionally and he gives you more in terms of passing and playing the ball out of the back than Sanchez does. Yes. And that's where I think the biggest gap between the two of them is. No, and, it's a fair push, but oh, go ahead. Sorry, Cameron. Well, just a quick note. I was just going to yeah, say yeah. that Romero at least tends to make his mistakes outside of the box, unlike <laughs> Sanchez. So that's a big plus. Yeah, Romero is more likely to pick up a red, a straight red card yes. for a tackle, but do it outside the box. Right, no penalty. <laughs> well, sorry, Scott. Both, no, no, no. Both points are very fair and well taken. I think where where I will differentiate, or not differentiate, but go back to my point is I think Romero. I still say is not as positionally sound as he should be, but I think that's because he's 22 and is tasked with being this like crazy agile all over the place. He's like a libero, right? If you really want to get down to it, which is really somebody who's asked to just kind of be all over the place and, and, and clean up and, and really have like a free role at the back. Right. But I think he's just young and he will mature into somebody who knows when he maybe shouldn't do that at times that he's doing that now. Right. So again, I love the dude. He's fucking phenomenal. Right. He'll get that worked out where Sanchez probably doesn't. And I think that's where like, we've got to maybe figure that out because that the, the, the penalty, the penalty yesterday, unacceptable, disappointing. I, I was sitting with cat watching, watching at home. And I just looked at her and, and just said, look, I, I love Sanchez, but that fucking shit cannot happen. Absolutely yeah. unacceptable at the premier league level. Like, no, get him off the field because that shit's going to happen. Right. Um, and, and the look in his eye was like, damn it. What the fuck have I done? Like the second he did it. Right. It kinda, so I kind of was, I don't know, man. Like he's got to get that figured out. I love him. And I don't want to pick on anybody that wears a badge, but that's, that's our, that's our, 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 our hold. I think at the back right now, and we've got to get that figured out and God forbid Dyer goes down. I don't know what our plan is there, but I'm not going to talk about that yet. So, so what are we going to do about city kids? I just love the fact that you use the word libero, which is a term that I heard used in volleyball before I ever heard it used in football, which I know is is, is a me problem and not a, a problem for anyone else. But that's really great on you. I'll, I'll um, tell you one, one culture that loves a libero. I'm sure you can guess it on here. Yeah, I, I, can, I can guess which one. Um, the, it, Caroline brought up earlier the, the fact that, that Hugo – I was really disappointed about that too. Cause I thought that was a, a really close call. And one of those calls that you don't see made very often, unless it's truly obvious. And I was super, you know, I did not watch the game live, but I watched it live to me. Like I did not know the result when I watched the game and I jumped out of my seat, like hell yeah. I was ready for that to just spark a five nil uh, when he made that, that save. Um, 
And for that to be called back was really, really shitty and really, really sucked. And you just knew that Telemans was going to put the second one by him. Uh, and that really, really sucked. But I don't know. I, I do want to, before we get onto the other goals, I want to go back to the wingbacks because Caroline, I know you have a point you want to make on Perisic. And I thought it was really interesting. The fact, and Scott, you touched on this a little bit earlier that after halftime, we saw these guys invert and Perisic started playing on the uh, the left rather. And Sesson Young came over to the right and it only lasted for about 10 minutes because then Emerson came on and for Perisic and they switched back so that Emerson could play on the right. I wasn't entirely sure what was going on there and I was trying to figure it out, but that first 10 minutes of the second half was very confusing to me. All of that is to say, Caroline, you had a point you wanted to make on Perisic. So I'm going to give you the floor. Well, when y'all were talking about how, you know, Sanchez versus Romero and our ability to play out from the back, you know, the wingbacks are part of that too. And it got me thinking that, you know, Perisic, I think is undeniably a better crosser of the ball than Royale, but honestly, his biggest value to us so far has been his set piece delivery because he was involved in two goals yesterday from set pieces. The first one, it was a give and go with Kulisevsky off of a corner, um, which Kulisevsky then put in to Kane. And then on the second corner, it was a straight assist to Dyer for the header. So I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to think that it's like we know that he's better than Royale, you know, in, in the purely build-up play sense, but he also has that set-piece delivery that gives him that extra, you know, valuable aspect. Would you all agree? I, I agree with it. And I think it's it, it's so weird because we, we, we've talked a lot about Royale, Perisic, Sessegnon, names we haven't brought up in all of this. Matt Doherty, Jed Spence, guys who I think the Doherty thing is very awkward right now because there's a lot of there's a lot of mean shit on the Internet being said about Matt Doherty and how he's like, you know, nowhere to be found. We forget that this dude in April ruptured his MCL and it's now September and I think we're not realizing that that's what seven months. Um, and I think that guy just needs more time and maybe he won't ever be the same player that he was, but it's, it sucks because we saw what he was starting to perhaps maybe become, which is a, a decent rotational wingback player on that could play on both sides under Conte last season. Um, and the Jed Spence thing is like, I, I don't know. I'm willing to give that guy even more time because he's just, you know, he's not experienced enough. And, you know, Caroline, to your point, I, I, <laughs> she just dropped a, a great line in the chat. I wish Todd here was this Todd was here to say, fuck Matty cash because yes, fuck Matty cash for that tackle on Doherty last year. Um, but yeah, the wingbacks to the, the wingbacks to me are still just, they're not an issue, but they're still, we're only what, seven, eight games into the season. There's still a very much a work in progress. I mean, I want to talk a lot about the, the, the second goal that Lester scored the James Madison goal, because yeah, it was a whale of a shot and a, a weird, but honestly that thing doesn't happen. If Ryan Sessignon <clears throat> is better aerially and doesn't allow that thing to get to that point. And Ryan Sessignon to me is, is kind of at fault for, for, for making that goal happen. Well, you use the word issue, man. And it, I'm glad you did because if somebody asked me, First thing that comes to mind, what's our number one issue at the club? Who's our other right wing back? 
it's our, it's a real issue at this point because Perisic cannot be asked to play both sides. Like it's a tough position. I'm going to harp on it. Every well, he can't be, right? he can't be asked to play him at the same time, but I think well, he can be asked to play a, on yeah, the right side. Well, yes. Yeah. For, for sure. But I'm saying he can't be asked to be part of the rotation on both sides of the field because we don't have another option. That's my point. Sure. Right. It's too much. I say it over and over. The position just requires two people to just play every other game, like legitimately. Right. And so, Who's our other right wing back? It's a glaring problem at the club right now. It's odd. Conte said, he, paraphrasing hard, Doherty's not the same player since the injury. I can't count on him, right? Like he's straight up again, paraphrasing, but that, it, all you have to do is paraphrase that to know there's a problem, right? Um, and Jed Spence, I heard, you know, somebody talking yesterday, where is Jed Spence? This is absurd. What's Conte doing? The dude has played like, two Premier League minutes ever, right? Yeah. Look at look at Sessegnon. He was championship team of the season. Took him like three years to figure the Premier League out from there, right? And it's he's frankly still team. figuring it out. He is, absolutely. Spence is, to answer that person's question, I don't, I won't bring up this person. It's fine. It's right. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, not part of the show. But, you know, to answer said person's question, Jed Spence is at the club learning and training, and that's right where he should be, right? So who's our other right wing back? I don't know, and I think it's something that Conte's got to get figured out quickly because it's going to come back to bite us. And frankly, it came back to bite us this week in the sporting game. And I'll say it again, had Emerson not come on yesterday at 3-2, we're dicey. We are. And I think I I, I was kind of concerned that we might concede down the left – or that, sorry, down our flank, right-hand flank, their left – left flank yesterday until Emerson came on. So this isn't me defending Emerson. This is just me saying like right wing back could have cost us even yesterday had Conte not made a, made a, made a good decision. Right. I, I, I think, I think, and this is something that we're definitely going to come on to because there's a lot to be said about what, what allowed son to get the three goals. I think it was way more about the formation change than it was about Emerson Royale coming on, but I, I get, I, I get your point. I get what you're saying. It allowed us to be a little bit more sound defensively with Perisic, not out there on the right. And with Cessna not on the left, who are both players who want to get down the field and attack more than they want to even defend. Well, and, um, and sorry, I keep talking, but I have to just say quick to the other thing you're going to see there. You're supposed to talk to Scott. It's okay. It's I, I know, but I'm, I'm, I know I, I don't want to hog, hog, hog all this time, but I think what you're going to see with son is when we have a wing back who's less apt to to uh, um, uh, overlap, Sun is going to carry the ball forward at defenders, which is what he needs to do, right? When Sun's enticed to play the ball out wide, you get less of Sonny playing direct, which is what he's very, very good at. So I think, again, Emerson coming on, I think gave Sun a little bit more room to, to do what Sun does, which is run at defenders, create space, and put the ball in the fucking back of the net because – that two world-class finishes yesterday that continue that we'll get into right but when when you have somebody who is that world-class i think i might pick sun over kane if i if i had to make make that choice right and i think you give that guy room to operate and you give him space and all right now you've now you've now you've talked do. now you've talked too much if you're if you're feeling Dude, those takes that's a hot take there I, you you it's very it's very hard to find somebody who can play as a true winger that I, direct right i know what it's you're saying very hard i know and what you're of saying. course this is for dramatic effect right but but i do make the point so look before we come on to the son of it all in the second half because that is obviously i mean i want to talk for 
four hours about him and son. I think I do think we need to address we we've, we've kind of brought them up a little bit, but the, the two goals that came off set pieces in the first half. One, I think we can say confidently that uh, Gianni Vio for president, like awesome, awesome job by that guy. He's already he's already massively impacted the season, and we're only we're less than ten games in. Um, and that and Lester is really bad at defending set pieces. <laughs> like that is. I think that needs to be said too. Like that is not a good team and they sit bottom for a reason. Uh, they, they are not good. They have some talented players in their team. Don't get me wrong. They are. I, I would not put it past Brendan Rogers being the next premier league manager. Let go. Like, I think that is distinctly possible. Frankly, the fact that we're heading into an international break means it could happen in the next few days. Even there's a lot uh, wrong going on in that club right now. But that said, the set piece goals were awesome. The the Kulisevsky assist to Kane to, to get one back right after the penalty, incredible. And then the Dyer goal was just everything you want. I mean, Eric Dyer has two goals on the season, and it is September the 18th as we record this. Like that is fucking awesome. Well damn done. And by the way, shout out to Eric Dyer back in the England side, uh, heading into this international break. Love all of that. Um, Caroline, you want to say anything more about these two goals in the first half that I think were, I think this was Tottenham saying, okay, we're, we've given up two goals, but also we're not here to fuck around today. Like we're, we're going to score and we're, we're going to put our stamp on this game as well. It, it was Tottenham easily could have like cowered after giving up two goals to Leicester, but they didn't, they just said, no, we're, this is going to be a high scoring game and we're going to be here for it. We're up for this thing. Yeah, I think that under Conte, we've just become so much more resilient to the fact that we've, I, I don't want to fact check it right now, but I know we've gone down, you know, a goal a few times and been able to come back. And it, and just as a fan, I never really feel concerned anymore about can we get a goal if we need one? Like, I, I think it's going to happen. Um, but those goals were were great. I, I'm especially pleased for Dyer, you know, getting his England call up. I think that's going to be a huge confidence boost for him when he's already been very confident, obviously. Um, and then if I could just go on to Bentoncourt's goal, uh, that was great pressing from him. Honestly, I remarkable. Remarkable. I, said, I didn't know he was capable of that kind of goal. <laughs> uh, well, I guess mostly because this was literally his first goal for Spurs and we just hadn't seen it yet. But yeah, that was really, really great to see because, you know, we've been talking about needing the midfielders to contribute more goals this season. And, you know, Hoybier has done that so far. And now it looks like Bentinger is getting in on the act. So very promising signs. Not just the picking of the pocket, but the finish off the inside of the right, the right bar was remarkable. And even better than all of it, I thought was Peter Drury's call. I mean, if you if you haven't heard it, go back because it's remarkable how good that guy is on comms. But my goodness, that was awesome. Scotty, did you have anything else you wanted to contribute about the the two set piece goals or Benton Core's goal and just the the flow of that game before we get into the the formation change and Sun? No, I mean, I I think I would just add add to the Benton goal. You know, he he he's so disciplined and he wins the ball back so often. And always, always, always just gets it off his foot as quick, as quickly as possible. Like he, he, and, and, and uh, sometimes it's not like 
a rapid release of the ball. Like he does take his time to make the right pass, but he always receives the ball and efficiently moves it as quickly as, as he should. Right. But he definitely is capable of carrying the ball forward and doing what we saw yesterday. I think, you know, he's not going to get a ton of chances to do that with the way that we're looking to play. Right. And surprisingly, I think as we all will continue to talk about Hoy beer is the one who's, who is, most often tasked with being that that guy who gets forward and rushes into the play, right? But Benteker is very capable of it. Um, but I just think, like, for me, I, my chance to talk about Italian soccer, right? The, 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 I guess the discipline that he shows in the midfield, um, and the way that he's willing to just sit back and, and conduct and let things happen around him and, and not, you know, rush to get himself involved in the play all the time is really special. And I think it's something that you have to have somewhere in your midfield, right? Or you end up with LaCelso, Javier, and fucking Tongi and zero midfield. Like, I, you know, what we saw under Nuno. So Benteker is, is crazy important. And I think that goal to tie it all back, that rant is all me saying that was cool to get him to see him get an opportunity to, to get forward and showcase what he can do too. What was cool about it too, is you could see it from a distance. Like you saw him running up, you saw yeah. the opportunity was going to be there to pick the pass. Um, Wilfred Ndidi was horrendous in this match and he coughs the ball up moments later. He picks up the yellow uh, on, on the challenge on Hoybier. I mean, when you get a guy like that in midfield and know you can pick on him, you got to do it. And it was really great for those who didn't hear the Peter Drury call. It was something of the sort of like, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this because I remember hearing in the moment and thinking, God, this guy's good. But he said something to the effect of uh, pick the pocket and cashed in with the profit or something. It was like some rhyme that was just, it was, it was fucking brilliant. Um, and he was brilliant on son's first goal too, because you know, it was like, Hyungmin's son as you remember him and it was just like the, the it was so great let's talk about Sonny for a second because let's before we get into the formation change that let all of this happen with son with a 13 minute hat trick in the second half coming off the bench the emotion of that first goal I, I am not an overly emotional guy I, I I'm, I'm open to it but my god I nearly teared up when I saw Sonny score the goal and just stand there and you could see in his face, he looked like he was almost ready to cry because so much has been said about his struggles this season. And he scores the goal. Kane embraces him. And then Kane kind of waves everybody over like, hey, let's have a group hug. And in that moment, Caroline, I was like, holy shit, what a moment. This is so cool. And that was after the first goal. He, he, he scores two more after that. And you're like, holy shit, this dude is back in business. Take me through just not even the formation or the time take me through the emotion for you because for me it was like oh my god this is awesome to see i was expecting to cry but it was actually just like a pure unadulterated shriek of joy <laughs> um yeah literally screamed when he scored the first one and and then i got a little you know overcome with emotion when i saw everyone coming to celebrate with him because I mean, we all know it's been a long wait for this goal. The players knew it. Sonny knew it. So everyone just was so happy for him. And seeing Conte celebrating, I think it was after his third goal, um, there's a clip going around of Conte just like <laughs> looking like the proudest dad in the world. I love it. 
Um, but if we if we want to talk about Leicester players who were having a bad day, I think everyone should go and look at the highlights of the hat trick that the club shared and keep an eye on uh, Vout. What was his name? Thais? Um Yeah, he, he was another he one that had that a real doozy hair. Um, he he had a real on. blinder. You're right. Yeah, he was just being tormented by Sun, um, just absolutely tormented. And and also on the on the third goal, um, Lester's new keeper, Danny Ward, literally gnashing his teeth and stomping the ground in frustration. <laughs> If you want to know about those three players, go look at, go look at, just look at FOTMOB's rating for, for the three of them. Indeedy 3.5, Face 4.9, Ward 4.8. Uh, yikes. Yikes. But it was not good for any of them. Just another note on Sun. I thought it was pretty incredible that his first two goals were almost like mirror images of each other and just goes to show how strong he is with both feet. Uh, it was incredible. And then the third goal just we were waiting to see if that offside was going to be overturned or not and the first angle they showed us i was like oh crap he's off and the second angle they showed it no he's definitely on we knew it was going to count so yeah, he knew it too you could tell just such a perfect run from him and also i think it was hoivier that had the pass uh, so mm -hmm. kudos to him again i've been talking in recent weeks about hoivier's pass selection improving and there you go once again Scotty, Actually, what did you think of Sonny, just the emotion of it all? Honestly, the the first goal, Cat shrieked, like absolutely shrieked. And I like never get up really or down ever during goals. I don't know why, but like it's just not really like doesn't happen. Um, every once in a while, like I'll get a fist pump. And actually the second goal, don't even remember who scored it or or was it Dyer? Is that the diver goal? Yeah, yeah. The second goal. I, was I got pumped goal. for that one. I think I yelled, but um, but yeah, for, for Sun's first goal, Cat just like shrieked right, and Cat loves Sun. You know him shirtless is her phone background, right? Like <laughs> I know, I know that if Sun ever comes, I am amply and promptly getting divorced, and Cat's leaving me for Sun, right? That's fine, um, no problem at all. But but uh, but no, that it was beautiful. I think. What what I loved the most about his hat trick was his his shush celebration. I think for the second goal, and and he he sets my point up, which is what I was really wanted to say about all of this, which is this is just a great example of the fickleness of of soccer and football fans. Like the dude just won the golden boot. He just didn't score for a few games, and everybody's mm -hmm. asking what's going on with young men's son. This podcast has. And not just me, all of us on wax over and over saying you play Sun always, right? We've always been there. Um, but Sun came out, scored a hat trick, and just said, reminded everyone, like, just relax. <laughs> like, you, you just a few games without a goal, it's going to happen. And for Sun, that's very common. And I don't know why fans forget that so often, right? He does go quiet for five, six games at a time very often and still pops up with like 17 goals in a season, right? So, um, yeah, anyways, par for the course. And um, I say par for the course, not to take anything away from the hat trick, but Sonny scores goals. And, you know, we saw that yesterday. So let's let's get into this formation change that I think was the catalyst in allowing Youngman Son to score a hat trick because uh, Eve Basuma came on in the 70th minute. Um, and that's 
kind of what set this off for me. Son scored his first goal th- three minutes later, um, and it was assisted by Bentoncourt. And and the big thing for me, and our buddy Nathan A. Clark from the Extra Inch pointed this out on a really good thread uh, today, Sunday, that you should go check out. But Basuma coming on switched the formation uh, from the 3-4-3 to more of a 3-5-2 uh, because Kulisevsky came off, and it allowed Kane and Son to play up top. And that three-man midfield, really, with the wingbacks on the side, the three-man midfield, Basuma sat, and it allowed Hoybier and Bentoncourt to press a lot more, and they didn't really have to worry about what was going to, you know, they didn't have to worry as much about protecting the center backs because Basuma was there. And that is what really sparked this for me. It was really, I don't know, it was really cool to see because, look, I, I, I think there's going to be a lot more comfort at the back when you've got Romero back there instead of Davinson Sanchez um, and a lot more ability to progress the ball. But this was something that also allowed them to progress the ball and and dominate a midfield that already had space in it when Kane was dropping into it. He, you know, we saw a lot of instances in the first half where Kane was was holding up play and had space out to his left and right, where both the wingbacks and and the wingers between Richarlison and Kulisevsky could run onto the ball and they could do a lot there. It's I mean, the game was very, very open in the first half. This allowed Spurs to grab the midfield by the throat. And when you've got players like Sun and Kane that can you know, go like they did. Oh, baby. I mean, this, this was, you know, this was like something that when you already had the lead and you wanted to tack on a few more and boy, did they ever, I mean, th- they tacked on three more all, all off the foot of, of, of young men's son. Uh, Caroline, is that like, is that something that's viable to do from the start of a game? Or is this something that like we see more of a, Hey, we've got a one goal lead here in the second half. Let's see if we can spark something to get a couple more and really put this thing to bed, just like they did against a team like Leicester. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that question because that's exactly where I was going to go with it. Uh, you know, we've been talking, I think, all season about the midfield feeling kind of overrun and just clearly solved that issue. I just don't foresee Conte wanting to start us in this formation necessarily in games. Um, partially from a personnel perspective, because I think he just is so loyal to those forward line players. He's not going to want to, you know, leave two of them off on the bench, let alone one. Um, so that's why I just can't see him, you know, opting for that to start. But I think you're right when we do have a comfortable lead and that's a, that's a good chance for us to really pile on the goals and start thinking about our goal differential. Um, Cause as, as we've seen, you know, city we're, we're level with them on points, but they've already got the goals um, advantage early on in the season. So yeah, I, I love seeing this formation. And I think that we, when we have seen it in the past, also last season, it, it, it always worked out like this. Um, but there's obviously a reason that Conte doesn't feel comfortable starting with it. Yeah, I don't think it's a formation you're going to be able to play against a team that is sitting deep. It's going to have to be a formation you play against a team like Leicester, which is going to not only want to have the ball, but want to attack you with it. Um, You know, Leicester had 56% of the ball in this game. Um, They, you know, they're they're, they're a team that wants to attack, even if if they are proving that they don't have the the super prowess. And it's the kind of team that, that Tottenham match up really, really well against and have over the last few seasons. It's why they've frankly had so much damn success against them. But 
Scotty, do you agree with Caroline in that sense that it's the three five two is probably not something we'll see from the start of a game, but once you get your foothold in a game, you can exploit a team like Leicester or or even one of the better teams like City or or, or Liverpool that want to attack you. You can grab hold of the midfield and go from there and and, and spring your counterattack. Yeah, to answer that, when when Caroline made that point, I immediately said spot on, one hundred percent agree. It's Conte absorbing and observing in the first half and then making adjustments, which are, is going to be that 3-5-2. Then I kind of push back on myself, and my only thought is Conte played that formation a lot at Inter, and he preferred it to the 3-4-3. And he had Erickson and uh, I believe Brozovic sat at the base, and it would have been Erickson and, and, and Barella that, that, that sat where Hoybier and Bentica are sitting for us. And it worked very effectively. And I just kind of wonder if Conte, because his comments about Basuma needing to improve defensively before he can really deploy him fully, right, lead me to think maybe he's been trying to figure out how to play this 3-5-2 and is now confident that Hoybier and Bentaker understand the, the duties and responsibility there um, in a way that would allow him to use it once his comments about Basuma, Basuma comes good, Basuma becomes able to do it, right? So I'm curious, but not, and this isn't me saying we would just switch to a 3 5 2. I would still assume we play a 3 4 3 more often, but I think the 3 5 2 will be very effective against. God, you're going to hate this point, Andrew. Sorry. I think I can already see where this is going in my head, but I can, I, I can see us against these teams that are going to, first of all, look to not get rolled by us and defend and probably get beat up in the midfield. I could see him going with this formation to one, like your excellent point, to your excellent point, stranglehold the midfield and just take control. But if he's smart enough to watch a son of Mourinho, you give Kane and Son just free reign to just play football with a really sound shade behind them against a low block, good things can happen. Um, I think that when when you're playing a low block, if you can get their midfield spinning, it's not the defense, the back line that's so important in a block, it's the midfield, right? And so I think if you get the midfield spinning, it's an excellent way to break down a low block. And again, Kane and Son having a free reign to play in front of a spinning midfield behind them, boom, goals, right? So I think the 3 5 2 is going to be really important for us against low blocks, actually. And we need Basuma and Skip to get prepared because I think once Skip's ready, Basuma and Skip can both play that role very effectively and let and let Bentaker and PH play as as you know dual ball progressing midfielders. I think the one thing that I'm not convinced of fully, and granted, we I thought he played well when he came on, but I think the one thing I'm not fully convinced of yet is that Basuma is the definite guy for that role. We still haven't seen enough Same. of Basuma. I, I still don't have a full grasp on his definitive role. Um, but I, I did think that this worked well against a lesser team that again, I, it's, I'm not sitting here trying to shit on, on Lester. I, I think they have talent, but obviously there's something, something wrong, something wrong in the water there. Um, they're horrible, man. It's okay to say they're just really, yeah, bad. they're, they're not good, but also they're still a premier league side and you know, any, any team's capable of beating anyone as we know in the premier league. Um, but I, I that's the thing. And, and obviously we have to factor too, 
in that you lose something from this formation in that you lose either Kulisevsky or maybe Richarlison. You lose a, a, a more attacking player in favor of the Kane Sun connection up top, which is a good thing to have. Don't get me wrong, but you do sacrifice a little bit of something going forward in the hopes that it's going to, it, it's almost like it has to be that perfect moment for it. And this showed to be that perfect moment. I'm curious as to whether or not another perfect moment could develop in Spurs next match, which just so happens to be the North London Derby and in a match where you are going to want to seize control of a midfield um, and you're going to want to have a little bit more, you're not going to want to let Arsenal run things from the midfield because that could be dangerous. I think Um, there's a lot of time to kind of discuss that because again, we have an international break to deal with and, I, I don't know. This, this it's going to be an interesting thing to see when Conte decides to deploy the three-five-two because I do not think it will come at the start of most matches. I think he wants to play base. I think he wants to get a foothold in the game. I think he. I think frankly, if Conte could play forty-five minute matches, starting at halftime, he'd be great. He just if he could get to every halftime scoreless and go from there, or maybe up one nil, he'd be in great shape. But it's just a matter of getting through those first forty-five that's where you know that's where it comes from um I, the next match is arsenal you know there, i don't think there's too much to be said it doesn't happen until october 1 i think it is uh and it's it is actually as we record this the next premier league match so that is kind of fun it is the lunchtime saturday october 1 game so uh a lot more to be said about that and it, it should be fun um the men's side is not the only team to get a win over leicester city this week we move on to the women's game, uh, which they were supposed to open up at home against Manchester United last weekend. Of course, with the postponement of the Queen, this was the women's uh, the the postponement with the Queen's death. This was the women's first match of the season. Uh, it happened against Leicester at the King Power Stadium actually this morning, and uh, the Tottenham women got a two-one victory. And this was a, I thought a well-played match from the women. Um, they got their two goals in the first half. Uh, and then gave one up on an own goal in the second half. But uh, Caroline, take us through this one, because I thought overall pretty good start to the season against a Leicester club that I think is like the men's side, not expected to to do a whole hell of a lot this season, but still a, a good three points to kick off the campaign. A great three points to kick off the campaign. Uh, my only regret is that we weren't able to up the score line. Because uh, this is a team that pretty much everyone is slating to be relegated this season. Um, and I would have liked us to be a, just a little more ruthless. Um, but to start with the the lineup, there was kind of a surprise in that everyone was expecting Nikola Karczewska to start, our new striker. And turns out she picked up a slight knock while she was away with Poland in the international break that happened right before the season was supposed to start. So great planning um, from the footballing authorities there but so she didn't start and we were kind of wondering how the the formation was going to pan out um and I think Evelina Sumanen was basically playing as like a false nine uh which I don't think comes naturally to her and I didn't think she was particularly effective in that role today um and kind of like we saw with the preseason games we got off to a slow start uh we just seemed kind of discombobulated (laughs) honestly and you know it's it's the same issue of we've had you know, quite a few new players come in and they just haven't meshed yet. So passes were going astray. 
you know, the press was not as organized as we're used to seeing. But on a positive note, I thought our, our defense did look pretty good today. And that had been more of a concern in preseason. So that was nice to see. It looks like Amy Turner is finally settling in. Um, but, I mean, if we can talk about the goals, I mean. Yes, let's talk <laughs> about the goals because the goals were really, really fun oh, and really, really good. wonder goals. Um, when Ash Neville, you know, took her foot back to take that shot, I was like, oh, my God, is she really? And she did. Uh, you know, I said it was basically a shot from downtown, caught out the keeper who was off her line, and she scored our last goal from the previous season, also against Leicester. So there was some nice symmetry there. What would you um, say it was about 30 yards? It, you know, I'm not sure, but it, it was far. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you haven't was... seen it, go, go find it. We, we retweeted it on our account at Tottenham Depot. You can go, you can go yeah. find it there. It's an early goodness. goal of the season contender. I think it's fair to say. Um, and then Drew Spence, who is one of our, you know, new signings this summer, we got her from Chelsea. She's a, a midfielder, um, got, got the ball off of a set piece. I think it was a free kick if I recall correctly. And she scored from what I would call sunny range. Yeah. Um, you know, just outside of the box, kind of like we saw him score. Uh, but her, her shot was more of a, you know, a low shot, just totally drilled it into the goal. Low bouncer and that got that was right by. Yeah, halftime. So we had, yes, yeah. So we had the two nil lead going into halftime. I was thinking we were going to just keep building on that in the second half. Not really what ended up happening. I thought we we concerningly looked kind of leggy, um, and Rianne was a little slow to use her subs, which is a bit strange. Um, and then Lester got that goal back, and it was kind of squeaky bum time for the rest of the match. <laughs> yeah, it was, and. You know, the Drew Spence own goal was like, I, I don't know. When I saw that, I was like, what, what, what exactly was she, so what was she trying to do there? It yeah, was very just... strange, but yeah, I, it was, it was nice to hold on. I, I don't know what else there is to say about that second half. It was like, it, I thought they did actually a really good job of just pissing away the clock. Like yeah, the they game really, management at the end was superb. The final 10 to 15 minutes or so were, were really, really strong in terms of, we have a lead and we're keeping this lead. You are not getting the ball near the box. And Lester didn't really in that final 10 minutes or so didn't really have a look. Uh, they just kind of sat on the ball and, and had it, you know, just really just deflated it, which was great. So uh, the next, the next match for the, the Tottenham uh, women's team, also the North London Derby. And th that one uh, scheduled to be played next weekend at the Emirates. Uh, so that's, you know, that game is going to have, huge atmosphere um they've already announced i think they've sold something like forty thousand tickets um which i mean it's got to be a record for the wsl if that if that is true yeah i think um, I, th I think they've already said that it will be yeah. a record uh the king power not as packed today but i'll tell you what you could really hear the spurs supporters you could hear the, the spurs power. fans that was that was really great to hear and i would also say just from the uh, overseas perspective it was great to see so many people tweeting about the game more than I'm used to. <laughs> yeah. um, it really feels like there's a good community building up around the women's team. So that's really awesome. Yeah, it was, it was fun to see. And, and again, we're going to, we're going to cover the women's team on this podcast, but you're also going to be covering the, the, the women's team more in depthly uh, on the N17 women's podcast, which I think you guys are recording tomorrow, right? So... Yeah, we are. So send us questions if you have any. 
<laughs> yeah. So go, go check out that podcast. Uh, if you want more info on the women's team, a little bit of a more in-depth perspective, uh, as well. Um, we're not gonna, we're not gonna step on your guys' feet on that. We'll let you guys get more, more into the weeds, uh, on that one. But, um, again, as for the Tottenham Depot, we are going to be recording, uh, a mailbag this Wednesday for next weekend's pod. Uh, again, men's team on an international break, uh, some of us traveling so just like, thank you for bearing with us uh with with all we've had a lot going on at the depot a lot of us you know there's only three of us here today uh another three or four of us are just not able to pod so thank you guys for 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 being available uh and the rest of us are just we're just we're, we're all getting by here look uh we we love uh the, the the interaction with the listeners um on the socials even when we're watching games on tape delay or whatever else. So uh, it has been, it's been a wild ride. We're, we're going to settle in here in the fall and as, as these games, yeah, it's weird. It's weird to see all the postponements too. I mean, it's tough with, you know, games getting postponed this weekend. I think there were only, what was it? Seven of a possible 20, uh, t- a 10 premier league matches were, were played this weekend. It might've might only been six even uh, I lost track. So a lot going on, a lot of moving parts, but uh, again, admin wise mailbag, get your questions in. We will record that midweek and uh, post it for you at the weekend and be back for you then. Um, hey, I got a real quick, real quick. I, I was going to say, on, yeah, on the women's team, I, I'm, I, I will say quickly, I really enjoyed watching this morning. I was telling Caroline prior to the show, I just, I don't know enough to be able to like dissect and understand what I'm seeing all the time quite yet, but I think to to anyone like me who hasn't invested as much time in the, in the women's team, it's never too late, right? And I'm never here to judge anybody or ask why, right? Time is a real thing, like blah, blah, blah. We can go on and on, but do everything you can to get involved. And I think, you know, as somebody who has grown into MLS over time and USL, I love USL, NWSL, I love NWSL the women's game is going to be different and everyone goes into that understanding that every single league, every gender, whatever is going to be a different brand and style of soccer and enjoy that and embrace that. And I think once you do, it can be a wonderful experience. And it's something that I had to learn as an MLS fan, right? I used to go to dynamo games and just like kind of be like, Oh God, this is so slow, but I'm supporting my team, blah, blah, blah. Right. And once you understand that the MLS game is different, it becomes a wonderful thing, right? And I think I myself am taking that into into the approach as I become a, a fan of Tottenham Hospital women as well. And I think I was telling Caroline, I'm so I feel like a little kid again. Like back in 2012 when I was getting into Spurs, all the players and the approach and our manager and and what we're looking to do tactically and formations and all of that is like. I just have all this new information in front of me that's so exciting and, and you know, at my fingertips. So um, it's a really cool thing to be a part of. I'm not going to sit here and try to get involved in your discussions if, as if I'm some expert in what I'm seeing, you know, at this point. But it's 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 really exciting to have have that opportunity. And again, I, I invite everyone who isn't a fan or hasn't put time into it to join me in becoming a fan of the women's team. That's a great shot, Scotty. I love that. This is also a test case to see who listens. And I'm going to, to the end, and I'm going to DM you on Twitter, fans of the show, and I'm going to ask if you heard my rant on the women's team, and we will know if you're a true fan of the pod. So best of luck. 
That's really well said, Scotty. I love that. That's good stuff. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week on the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Caroline at CG Stefko. Thanks to Scott at DSM Spurs. You can follow me at a Stetka. More importantly, follow us at Tottenham Depot. Get us those mailbag questions for the next episode. Uh, we will talk to you then. Uh, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>